want Bearcats. I, I love the Bearcats. I like Luke Fickle. He brings the table. I like Bearcats. Lock in mid post. Great spin move. Reverse layup. Oh, oh. And it's good for Victor Lockett. What a move. Looked like Bill Walton out there. On back to throw. Looking. Scrambling. Passes. Intercepted at the goal line. The Bearcats have the football. Sauce Gardner picking off the pass as Cincinnati denies Notre Dame in the red zone. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. To Julius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. Double tight ends in for Cincinnati. Ritter will hand it off. Jerome Ford bouncing it to the left. There he goes. To the 30. Pulling away like Secretariat at the Belmont. Touchdown. Bearcats as Jerome Ford takes it to the house to give Cincinnati a three-score lead. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Go Bearcats podcast. I am your host, Brandon. Excited to be back here for another episode full episode here for you we're going to break down the uh the miami game battle for the victory bell where the bearcats have now won 16 straight we're going to bring in logan cox of bearcat land to uh to review the game he was down at uh Paycor stadium we're going to uh break down ben bryant's performance not really just from this past week but the week before as well uh I don't think we have much to complain about, Bearcats fans. And uh, after that, we have uh, Sammy Jacobs from HoosierHuddle.com and the Hoosier Huddle podcast coming on to break down uh, Indiana, tell us uh, who to watch out for on the offense, who to watch out for on the defense, and uh, what some expectations are for Indiana this year. Uh, he says he will be in attendance at Nippert Stadium on Saturday, so Looking forward to talking to him and seeing what uh, he thinks about this year's version of Indiana football. Before we get to all of that, of course, you know, we have to do beer of the podcast. Today, drinking a big beer, 9.5%. It's been a minute since I've had a beer this big. It's from Heavy Seas Brewing out of Baltimore. Usually a big fan of what they do. This one's called Impending Doom. It's a hazy tangerine double IPA. It's delicious. Smooth, nice tangerine flavor. Like they nailed it. I'm going to keep sipping on this throughout the podcast here. And uh, it's sure to get the job done. So not a great tailgating beer, I don't think. But a nice sipper while we make this podcast. So let's first, let's bring on, let's bring on Logan to review the uh, the Miami game, uh, and then we'll jump into the uh, interview with Hoosier Huddle. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, back to the podcast once again. This one here for the uh, for the new season. We're checking back in with Logan Cox. Uh, you can find uh, his uh, Bearcat fan group on Facebook. Uh, Bearcat land. Uh, I'm actively in there as well, uh, getting everyone's hot takes and uh, and whatever else you can find uh, in the world of Facebook. But Logan, welcome back into the podcast. Uh, are you ready to talk some Bearcats football? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm excited to. Definitely, dude. I appreciate you coming back on. I think we had you on last, was the last football season, uh, your first appearance. So now... Uh, second appearance here you're uh you're in the two-timers club at least yes uh, thank you for having me back i appreciate it thank you for the shout out to bearcat land we appreciate it um yeah no i i am excited for this season so far i feel like you know we just gotta we, we have a really good team here we played a top 10 uh sec away team well um and ben bryant starting to look better and better week by week um so i'm i'm liking it uh, well, I think uh, I think I am as well here. I've, you know, the the Arkansas loss was tough. You know, we didn't play well enough to win that game, even though that was definitely within our grasp, and we could have could have won that game. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I watched the first half of the Kennesaw State game last week, and then I was at a wedding, uh, so I only got in the first two quarters, and I only watched you know the highlights afterwards. So I didn't have a a new episode sort of reviewing 
that game or previewing the Miami game because I didn't really feel qualified to talk about it since I didn't get to watch it. Yesterday, though, I was I was home, tailgated in my kitchen, little bacon, eggs, and uh, you know a couple of couple of beers, uh, and got to sit down on my own couch, relax, and watch the game. Uh, I was going to attempt to try to go to the game, but uh, I thought it was too big of a headache with it being uh, at Paycor Stadium. But I understand that you were there and uh, might have a much, much different insight than, than, than I have since being there and experiencing the game. Yeah, no, honestly, uh, one, of the best, uh, one of the best games that I've been to so far is, uh, as a Bearcat. Um, me, my dad, and his friend Paul Keller all, all went, and my girlfriend all went down to the game and went a little bit early so that way we could uh, go check out a little bit of the Oktoberfest, have a couple of those beers before we went in. Um, Very nice. Yep. And so that was super nice. Um, and then coming into the stadium, um, I always like the Bengal stadium. Um, I think it's like a super nice stadium anyway. So like, you know, and I, I think that the Bearcats themselves probably enjoy like playing in an NFL quality stadium. I mean, it's pretty huge. So probably, you know, it's a memorable moment for them too. So I think that's like so I feel like you get like players that are playing their hardest like in cool sites like that like neutral sites and mm-hmm. I mean you wouldn't want to really play at Miami because I've seen high school stadiums that look nicer than theirs so <laughs> I mean and you know I thought the for the, for it being the Miami Cincinnati game I didn't really I didn't expect the the stadium to look as full as it did ESPN has the attendance at just over 30,000 which I thought um, I didn't know what to expect really and I thought TV wise it looked like there was a, a, a better than expected crowd there oh yeah I think I think so too I, I it was uh, pretty loud at first uh, for like you know nip I, Nippert's obviously a little bit louder because you're you know down in a bowl and it, it can echo better but it was it was decently loud I think actually um, Miami really benefited from the fact that it wasn't super loud uh, because any time it got, you know, slightly loud, um, they really kind of fell apart, especially like there at the end. Um, so, I mean, I think that did actually affect them. I think that Miami, you know, playing in the MAC probably doesn't play against the same, like they don't have the same draws as the Bearcats. So, I mean, I think that might have thrown, thrown them off. And we were really quiet early when uh, Miami started out hot. So, I think that crowd was a little bit of a factor in both like energizing the Bearcats and kind of de-energizing Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that was nice because it was definitely a a way more Bearcat-centered crowd. Like I would I would say it's like you know an eight to one type situation. Oh wow, that's the way it felt to me at least. Right. I you know uh, maybe it was more like you know like a seven to one or something, but uh, there were plenty of Bearcat fans left in the stands when all the Miami people left. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Uh, fair enough. You know, I uh, I'm just excited to get to get back to Nippert this coming weekend with the oh, IU game being uh, yeah being sold out. Like I said, I, I couldn't go to the Kennesaw State game, but so I am very excited uh, to finally get back there. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about the, our takeaways from the Miami game. The Bearcats winning sixteen in a row, finally holding the uh, the all time advantage in the series. I think they said like the first time since like nineteen forty seven or something. Uh, and it took us winning sixteen times in a row to to finally get the edge. What is it, sixty to fifty nine to seven? So I'm glad that is back on the side of the good guys. And it uh, it wasn't looking like that might happen after seeing the first quarter. Yeah, yeah, I got a little got a little worried. Not going to lie. A little worried. And uh I was like, but the, you know, I didn't I didn't let like I still, you know, talk trash at the games. Um so I didn't like let the people around me know I was worried, but I internally I was very worried okay. um, for a second there. Um but I think that you know, we just have too talent too much talent at the receiver. We have too much talent at tight end, and I mean, you got Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, uh, both having hundred yard games. You got Nick Gardner having, you know, he only had three catches, but he's 
still got almost 50 yards. So, I mean, realistically, like, I think that Ben Bryant is good. Like, he's going to be good for this team. We beat them harder than – so, Cincinnati beat Miami harder than Kentucky did. Kentucky is a name-brand uh, ranked SEC team right now, um, number nine, I believe. So yeah, top ten. Uh, so, I mean – I think we we played uh, we lost by a touchdown to a top ten team. Uh, where we looked better in our win against another team um, that was in the top ten. So I mean, I I think that it's gonna it's criminal that Cincinnati's not gonna be ranked right away. But I think that we're on the way, uh, road to being ranked. Um, and with Indiana coming into our house, I really feel like with them being a Big Ten opponent, it's kind of our chance. Uh, at redemption at a good league um, to kind of put ourselves back on the uh, like the polls like you know just the radar of all the pollsters like the coaches poll and the uh, media so I think that like it's all looking it's all sunshine and rainbows like uh, I know some people didn't like Ben Bryant's interception but I don't think that was his fault no, I think that was Will Pauling being, you know, a younger guy, and he just kind of got stripped. It is what it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't blame, I don't put that on him at all. The, I mean, the one was like it, it was the it was thrown a little high, it like it, I mean, but it hit the receiver in the hands, and it just you know tipped, and and the other team caught it. I don't uh, don't really put that. It wasn't like it wasn't like the Arkansas interception that he threw, which was terrible. Uh, you know, that's, it's not, I wouldn't even put that in the same category. No, not at all. I'm feeling really good. Um, I'm feeling really good. I think. That, so I, sorry, go I, ahead. I, well, I have this on, on our, on my list of stuff I want to bring up. So, I mean, there's still uh, a large portion of the fan base that are complaining or, or wanting to see more of Prater, but Ben Bryant was perfect in the first half. And I mean, he was like 12 for 12 with like 209 yards. Uh, there's, that you know you, you can't get much better than that. Uh, I mean, he finished the day with a seventy-four percent uh, completion rate, twenty-six of thirty-five, three hundred and thirty-seven yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, that's that's going to get the job done almost every single time. I've you know I was I was pulling for Prater in the off season. I, I you know being a local guy, I I wanted him in there, uh, but I have no quarrel with fickle starting ben bryant from what i've seen this game and then now well i mean the 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 kennesaw state game he was in a lose-lose situation for the arkansas game i I talked about that with brian Wright when he came on a couple or the last episode uh because you're on the road in the sec coming off of a college football playoff you know expectations are high expectations are high he's not going to be dead you know des no matter what neither qb is going to be because they don't have the same team that des did uh so expectations were high people were pulling for the hometown kid and if you didn't come out perfect you were not you know you were going to see a lot of criticism which you did i have i don't have any complaints since since then though i think he's gotten better settled in and uh he can swing the football so i just kind of want to address the elephant in the room evan prater is a sophomore he's light he's skinny and he's a phenomenal athlete and if you know you also have somebody that's about the same and is a senior and you know you're going into the big 12 and you know that you're going to blow out a lot of the teams on this uh, schedule so you can get Evan Prater some uh, some playing time. I think that, you know, uh, let's, let's just kind of like look at quarterbacks that are successful right now in college football that play like Evan Prater. They're not 195 pounds, 201 pounds. They're more like 220, you know, 240, like K.J. Jefferson. Um, maybe they just want to put him in the gym and they know that they have like, they would win the same amount of games. They probably like with either guy, you know, I think that we're, we were all rooting for the Wyoming kid because he's from Wyoming high school and he won state and he's Mr. Football and we all like him and he's funny on camera. But like, I think that the coaching staff wants to foster that talent, get him reps and go into the big 12 hot, not with an injured guy. 
I mean, I, uh, th- that very well could be. I think, I, you know, I, and I have no problem with that as long as Ben Bryant's getting it done. And for me, I would, I would say that he is. I mean, his first incomplete pass of the game yesterday was, uh, was a, an inch away from being a touchdown. Uh, I forget who it was. Maybe Trey Tucker caught it, was just outside of the pylon when he caught it, literally like an inch. You know, I don't know how many would have, he would have completed in a row had had that been a a touchdown catch. But I'm I like I like being able to air it out. Uh, you know, I think he's got a cannon, and uh, I I want to keep seeing how high the ceiling is. I'm kind of excited to see what they can do. I think a step up in competition, Indiana. You know, I don't think they are they're not Arkansas, but they play in the the Big Ten and they're three and zero right now. So I think I'll consider this a step up in competition i'll i'm anxious to see what he brings to the table again this week yeah i mean and let's i mean you know miami's probably going to win the mac i mean and i've seen uh sunbelt teams knock off huge teams so i mean nothing against uh them they're a quality opponent just like indiana and i think indiana is going to be just has more name recognition i don't think that indiana's necessarily like a good big 10 team um I think that they're probably going to have a 500 record in the Big Ten. So I honestly, you know, I mean, it might be a hot take, but I, I think this is going to be a similar blowout to Miami, especially with them having to come to Nippert. Um, just because Nippert adds a difficulty factor, um, and I think we already have an edge uh, talent-wise um, just across the board. Uh, but, I mean, that's – that's kind of big, like big talk with the fact that we've lost Malik Van and Jake Renfro at the beginning of the season already, um, which is kind of huge. We just lost first team all conference center and nose guard. So it's kind of bad. That's really bad. You know, let's, um, let's slide this name in here too, because we saw him this past Saturday against Miami. He had a, he had a touchdown, but Corey Kiner, I thought was MIA most of the game. And I don't mean that he performed badly. I mean, he just wasn't in there getting reps. And it was like something I noticed. It was something that the the broadcasters on TV had brought up. And then in, in the post-game presser, Fickle basically said, yeah, I don't know why he wasn't in there. Uh, I got I got to go back and ask somebody what's going on. And then he was just like left guessing as to why Kiner didn't get more snaps this past well, week. I, the good thing is, is uh, Charles McClellan rose to the occasion and got rushed for 5.6. Uh, oh, yeah. On yeah. A, a carry, I think. Um, you know, if somebody's going to deserve it more, the more reps when they're hot uh, than Kiner, it would be McClellan. He's, he's been here for a very long time. And if he's playing super hot, why bench him? Um, he deserves the reps. Um, and yeah. we'll have Corey for a while. I yeah, think. N- not like that. I'm just I th- I think the the team is better, and then I think both of those guys are better when it's a one two punch, and they don't yeah. have to they don't have to be like a twenty five thirty carry type of back. Uh, but I, you're right, McClellan crushed it. He went for what a hundred and one yards and two touchdowns. So I have no problem feeding him if he's running like that every day. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is that I think they keep the hot guy in sometimes too. I mean, Kiner did get like seven uh, seven carries, but like he should probably have been in double digit carries, more like eleven. More, uh, I think it like they should have like spread the load a lot more, like maybe eleven, twelve. But also, if you know that if you got a guy that's hot, you just leave him out there. You don't cycle the guys. You know he's in good shape. You know. So I mean, I don't know. I think. Also, like Corey Kiner had a touchdown, so he's fine. I mean, yeah, I hope he, so. I hope he's not. I hope it's not like a, you know, work like a load management type of situation, like a snap count or something, because he was banged up. Hopefully, it was just McClellan was hot, so they they kept feeding him. Well, I mean, that in a you, we have like a lot of running backs that just can pop off at any. I mean, Montgomery uh, popped off um, a couple of games ago. Um, against Arkansas, I think he has some of the better rushing numbers, like, out of all the uh, running backs. So I think that, like, it might be a little bit of load management because, uh, or it might be, it might be just, you know, 
we are able to ride whichever horse is hot that day. And I think the best part about like our running back room actually is the depth. So like if it's Corey that day, great. If it's McClellan that day, great. If it's Montgomery that day, great. I think them being all getting reps with, since they've all kind of had monster days now at this point, isn't a terrible thing because we can keep them fresh and we can, and I think we can just continue to, you know, I think the big thing about Cincinnati and the way they try to play teams is they try to be deep. They try to constantly have guys like one, a two A, and then in one B's like playing. So I think that like, it's good. Like it, it you know, it's how, like with the amount of guys that we can actually rotate in, uh, we're, we wear down people. That's why we we seem like a, a second half team because we've we everybody feels fresh. I feel like that's a good point. And you know, sort of to uh, to bring up another name on offense that I've been really impressed with is Nick Mardner, the tran- uh, you know six six wide out transfer from Hawaii. Uh, I think he's he's had a, at least one touchdown in the last. He might have had a touchdown in every game so far. I'm not. Don't quote he's me on money. that. That guy's Dude. money. It's especially like that, the fade to the to the deep corner. Like he's going to go get that. Like he's going to have that size advantage, maybe every week. And I think he's a super exciting uh, player. And maybe, uh, maybe I don't know. Got to keep watching because you're right. He he's going to get it done. And very very exciting player to watch for. The fact that we can go jumbo or fast at any moment where we have such good looks at the receiving core. You got, you could go jumbo. You could go Leonard Taylor, Josh Wiley, Nick Martiner out there. You could go fast with Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, and some of the other young, younger guys. It, the, the look that you can get out of these guys, uh, like it's really hard to be able to defend us because we can kind of diagnose what's working and what's not and plug in the right thing. Um, to beat, you know, different teams. I think we're going to be a really scary team to play. And I think that we're not going to run the ball as much as we have in the past. Because, like, if you look at rushing as a whole, I mean, McClellan uh, only had 18 carries, um, and he actually had some receptions. He actually had two catches. So they, he got actually in the mix and receiving also. So I think we are just flat out wanting to air it out. Because Bryant has the arm to do it, uh, and he's settled in a little bit, like we said. So I'm I'm all about it. We'll we'll see what happens this Saturday. Like I said, uh, to see if the, see if the competition gets a little better. If he can continue this uh, streak that he's been on for the past two weeks. But Logan, I, I kind of want I want to flip sides here a little bit. Uh, we've talked about we've been offensive heavy the first uh, you know part of the uh, the show here. Let's let's flip it and talk about the defense a little bit because they, even though I think they were they had a little bit r- a rough go of it in the first half, especially the the first quarter, they woke up and uh, especially Ivan Pace playing against his former team. Wait, he had to, yeah, and he uh, I think he's been like all the talks about camp uh, or out of camp and everything is like yeah Ivan Pace is a guy he'll he'll definitely. Uh, He'll be pretty good for the Bearcats, or you know, he'll you know he's going to split reps with this person, this person. Ivan Pace has been way better than promised. Like I don't know, like I just I didn't he's expect him to be this good. Star is a hundred percent the best way to put it. He's a star. He's going to play on Sundays. That guy is good. He's a star. That that's all. Like all I'm seeing when I watch him play is he's going to be a Sunday player. And we were tripping not offering him in high school. But uh I agree. And Chuck Martin, the coach of Miami, was pretty salty about it. If you uh if you heard his uh you know weekly press conference last week, he was uh, he was taking some digs at the Bearcats for using the transfer portal. And uh you could just tell he was not not too happy to uh to have to play against Ivan Pace this weekend. Yeah, I mean well, you know, just be better and then you wouldn't have to lose your uh you wouldn't have to be the J V squad for U C and <laughs> I mean, and by the way, you keep talking, we'll take some safeties, too. You watch your mouth. That's what I said. I said I tweeted before the game. I was like, be sure to uh, keep an eye out for Miami's best player because they could <laughs> they could be in Clifton next next year. So. Yeah. Yeah, if anything, now you're feeding into the narrative. He should have never opened his mouth about this because now it's in kids' heads. 
Like, and if anybody was considering committing to Miami that's listening to this right now, remember, <laughs> they're afraid of you doing too good and then going to UC because you should just play for UC. All right, so now that we got that out of the way. Uh, for sure. Let's, I want to bring up one other name, and maybe you can throw one out here as well. But the other name, I mean, you mentioned Malik Van going out uh, for the season. So it was kind of like who was going to step up and, you know, fill that massive gap uh, because he, like, has meant so much to the team and was so, this is going to be, you know, his, his final year. But Dante Corleone, I thought, was uh, very good on Saturday. It seemed like the announcers were, like, calling his name or he was in on every play. Uh, if not the first guy, the second or third guy in. Uh, so I thought he's been he's stepped up in a big way, and I'm I'm excited to see his development go even further. Yeah, and I think uh, I think Jawan Briggs has also been pretty solid. Um, he's I an think, absolute unit. I love yeah. Jawan. Briggs. He's just he's just consistently good at what he does. He creates pressure. He's he's a movable object. You know, so I mean, that's that guy's that guy's going to continue to look that good against Indiana. Uh, Ivan Pace is going to continue to look that good against Indiana. Arquan Bush is going to look great. He had an interception last game. Mm-hmm. I predict he has an interception next game. Um, uh, he, isn't it? Is he now average an interception in a couple of games in a row now? Wait, wait, wait. Is Kennesaw State back for its six? Right? Was that him? I th- um no no the the pick six that was uh Javon Hicks yeah okay yeah I mixed those two guys up because they're both really good um but yeah okay so yeah Archon Bush has like an interception I think yeah those are probably my top two two pull down an interception against Indiana um I think they'll probably get desperate and try to throw on us even though that's a mistake um and so yeah I think one of them definitely gets an interception next game. For sure. Do you have so you know we, we any other thoughts as as we wind down the, uh, the the Miami talk here? Any any anything else you want to bring up about Miami, or do you have a score prediction yet for the Indiana game? Um. So Indiana is looks better than they did last year. Okay. Um. I think that. We are. We have taken a slight step back because I mean, how couldn't we? We, we like we lost Desmond Ritter. Um. Uh, so, but I think that we're still way better than. Uh, I think that we could beat Illinois, and I, I, I don't think that we would have played Western Western Kentucky within three points. Um. So I, let's be real, like it's it's gonna be like fourteen. 47 Cincinnati. Ooh. All right. All right. That's that, I, that might be a bold prediction. I don't I don't know. I don't know about that. I'll, I'll have to see how this week goes here, but that I, I like the confidence for sure. Uh, I will be at the game. Uh, my dad is coming down for the game. We went to the IU game in Bloomington last year. Uh, so I thought it was, uh, you know, right that he come down to uh, complete the home and home. Uh, and like I said, it's my first time at Nippert this season. So I'm pumped about this game on Saturday. Hey, me too. This is going to be dope. Uh, you know, and we got to take a couple jabs at Indiana right before we leave uh, or for the Big 12. Um, and so then we can really start dominating this region and taking their recruits uh, just like Miami. And, it, you know, the rest of, rest of the region, they're on notice. We're taking it over. Absolutely. Logan, anything else before I, uh, I let you off here and uh... – and we get ready for Indiana. Uh, so my beer today was a Ryan. Oh Gunnish yeah, Truth. My, I'm sorry, I didn't even ask about the beer. That's that is on me. I will take that responsibility, and I apologize. <laughs> no, it's okay. I I got a rep, Ryan Guy's Truth. I uh, always have a 12 pack of Truth in my fridge. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm drinking right now. Uh, what do you got? Uh, you know. I, I love truth. If I, I get so consistent, if I could, if I only, if I had to only drink one beer for the rest of my life, it would probably be truth. Uh, just because I know what I'm getting every time, but I, uh, I'm glad you asked here. Cause I'm do I'm finishing my, uh, it's called impending doom. It's, uh, which sounds, you know, dangerous. It's a hazy tangerine double IPA from heavy seas, 
which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is out of like the Baltimore area. So uh, I'm a big fan of their beers. I kind of like the pirate theme that they have going on, uh, and it's uh, it's quite delicious. Pirates are cool unless they're from ECU. So yeah, I, Hell yeah. that is that is sweet. Perfect. Logan, I appreciate you hopping on here. We will 100% uh, bring you back on here uh, later in the season to uh, to talk more Bearcats football. Hey, fantastic. Homer takes only for me. Just remember that. You guys have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Bearcats fans, I'm super excited to welcome in our next guest here, Sammy Jacobs of HoosierHuddle.com and the Hoosier Huddle podcast here on the Go Bearcats podcast to give us a preview about uh, about the game, big game in Nippert this Saturday, Cincinnati and Indiana, Indiana coming to Nippert. Uh, we want to welcome in Sammy Jacobs. How's it going, sir? Thanks. It's going well. Uh, you know, I use 3-0, so uh, a lot different than the end of last year. Uh, a lot more smiles and stuff like that, a lot more enjoyable to watch college football, but yeah, just enjoying the start of the season. Absolutely. You know, they, uh, I, that's like kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about with you here. Uh, Indiana three and O after beating Illinois. So they've already got a, a big 10 game under the belt, uh, then crushing Idaho and then sort of a dramatic finish uh, against Western Kentucky in overtime. And uh, has the Hoosiers three and zero, so that's got to it's got to feel good so far. Yeah, the the game against uh, Illinois, the opening the the season with the conference game, uh, is always tough. They had a game under their belt too, playing Wyoming in uh, week zero. Uh, Illinois solid team. They're 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 going to beat some people this year. Uh, they they crushed uh, Virginia two weeks ago. Um, that. That game came down to the wire against Illinois. Uh, IU scored, I think, with like 47 seconds or maybe 17 seconds left um, and to take a three-point lead. Uh, it, it was it was just a much-needed win after going 2-10 and 10 last year um, and 0-9 and in the Big Ten, which I know we didn't help you guys other than giving you a win. Um, but that was, uh, you know, a heck of a game last year between uh, IU and Cincinnati. So hopefully it, it, it's like that again. But, yeah, IU started out uh, – they were actually down 10 nothing to Idaho at halftime and, and uh, you know, then scored 29 straight points to, to come back. So it, it was it, it was not the crushing that everybody expected. But it was – when they clicked, it, it, everything started going their way. And then, man, that was a uh, – they they pulled a rabbit out of their head on Saturday. They were down uh, 11 points. Uh, I think there was, uh, yes, I think five minutes left in the third quarter. Western Kentucky had the ball inside the t- IU 10 going in for an 18-point lead. Um, actually, it might have been the fourth quarter going in for an 18-point lead. And uh, Indiana gets an interception in the end zone and, uh, you know, goes on a 90-yard drive to, to cut it to, to five points. and. Um, you know, they, they scored 17 points there in the fourth quarter to, to go on, uh, to overtime and, uh, Charles Campbell kicked 51 yard field goal in overtime to win it after IU blocked the field goal on Western Kentucky's, um, side. So yeah, it was one of those games where you go, whew, got out of there with that one. But that's a game. If IU played that game at the end of last year, uh, and maybe all three of these games, they might've gone 0 and 3 last year. You know, let's, let's let's sort of talk about that because I I felt as though last year going into the season, Indiana had some pretty high expectations. They were coming yeah. off a, a very solid season. So, uh, walk us through sort of what you saw happening last season with with the you know disappointing two and ten, and then how does this year's team compare to that? Well, going back to last year, and I'll rip that Band-Aid off. I've, I've kind of put that that thing in a box and buried it. Uh, that was so bad last year. But they did. They they came in uh, ranked 17th in the nation. They came off a great 2020 season where they went 6-2 and two, uh, with an outback bowl berth. They beat Penn State. They beat Michigan for the first time in forever. Um, they went up and won at Wisconsin for the first time since 2001. So there were a lot of good feelings. Then you got you had Michael Penix coming back. You had a lot of guys coming back. So, you know, naturally you thought, all right, they're going to be pretty good. But I think the team bought into that. 
Uh, and IU really does not, you know, live up above in the top 25 that often. It was the first time I think preseason they came at rank uh, either ever or for the the first time in, you know, whatever, 40, 50 years. Um, so, you know, they go to Iowa and, and they just get crushed. IU threw, you know, he had a pick six and a, and a long touchdown run by Iowa in the first three minutes. And it, it just it was ugly. Um, and they, they never got their feet under them, you know, going back to the Cincinnati game last year with IU, uh, you know, that was probably our best played game. And I, you know, I hate to, to pin it on the rest, but that game turned when Michael McFadden got ejected for targeting, which yep. that I, I hate the targeting rule. And it's not just for that. If you want to throw a flag 15 yards there, fine. But even if Cincinnati did that, that doesn't warrant an ejection. It just changed the whole tenor of the game. You take an NFL linebacker out of there, and it's not fair for, for either side or either fan base and, and stuff like that. Um, but I think a lot, a lot of fans forget Indiana's going in for the lead, uh, and Tim Baldwin fumbles on like two or three yard line. Uh, and, you know, that, that was all she wrote. Um, IU had a chance to put, put you, uh, Cincinnati away early. He had a pick in the end zone. Uh, there was another fumble that came away with no point. I think there was three turnovers in the red zone where you get zero points. And it was just, you know, those little things added up. And IU fans might say that that game broke us, but it was probably the Michigan State loss um, a little bit further down the road. But And then everybody got hurt. Uh, Michael Penix got hurt against Penn State. Uh, Jack Tuttle got hurt against Ohio State, and, and the wheels fell off. He, he, by the end of the season, we we're starting to walk on a quarterback, walk on at running back. Um, you, you had no depth at defensive back. It was just a shell uh, of the team and, and things like that. But in the offseason, uh, you know, Tom Allen uh, fired Nick Sheridan, I think, the day after uh, the bucket game against Purdue. Uh, very quickly, they bring in Walt Bell. He's running an up-tempo offense, uh, running very fast. Uh, you know, they've done a good job. They brought in 40 new players uh, between freshmen uh, freshmen and, and transfers uh, and five new coaches on the coaching staff, too. So it's almost like a brand-new Indiana team. You know, Connor uh, Bazelak from, um, transferred in from Missouri. He's playing well at quarterback. Uh, Sean Shivers and, and Josh Henderson at running back are also – uh, power five transfers from Auburn and, and North Carolina, respectively. So uh, a whole different team. So after, so this is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is uh, your coach, Tom Allen. This is his sixth season at IU? Yes. Does that sound right? So, I mean, after after last season and the expectations, uh, would you was his was his seat warm, hot, or is he, or is it kind of uh you know, we're going to stick this thing out with, with Coach Allen. Well, it depends on who you ask. Um, if you ask okay. the fans, they're going to say, oh, yeah, we're, we're on the hot seat. And you got to remember, IU fans are very fickle. Um, and they're used to, I don't know if they have that basketball mentality. But you're also looking at a program who's not going to spend a couple million dollars to to redo an indoor facility. Heck, even Tom Allen had to take a pay cut to, to get rid of the offensive coordinator. So where are they going to get $25 million from uh, to buy out the rest of his contract? Especially uh, for a guy, it, it was, you know, you hope 2021 was a blip on the radar. Um, but back-to-back January Bulls down in Florida, uh, you beat Penn State, you beat Michigan, you, you shut out Michigan State. Um up there in 2020 and you really ran into terrible injury luck in 2021. So I don't, it's also, who you know, are you going to pay the $25 million in the buyout? And then you have to pay another coach too. So mm-hmm. I, Indiana doesn't have a, the boosters to do it. Or I, I, I just think, you know, unless it's a total disaster this year um, and, and something really, really bad happens, he's here for the next couple of years, at least. Well, a three and zero start will certainly help you settle those those whispers or, or those those disgruntled fans. Oh, um, I mean, at least at least so far here. And there's looking at the uh, the IU schedule. I think it, other than starting the year off with a 
conference game, which I, I would never like to do. We've UC has done that some in the past, but you you get uh, Ohio State at home, if I'm not correct. And no, we're a, at we get we're at Ohio State and we get Michigan at home. Michigan at home. home and Penn. That's it. I'm sorry. Yeah. So yeah. so Michigan Penn State at home. Uh, you you got to feel good. Uh, you know, you like that rather than traveling to the big house or or to uh, to Death Valley. So. Uh, yeah. and, and other than that, I mean, you guys got what? Let's uh, Rutgers, uh, some very winnable conference games. As I was uh, Nebraska, they're a dumpster fire right now. They don't know who they are or where they are. Uh, Maryland, Rutgers, uh, at Michigan State, and in the season with Purdue, I would I would think if I'm looking at that and, and I'm Indiana, I don't feel I don't too feel I don't feel too uh, overwhelmed about that. No, but you also can't get caught looking ahead and, and playing uh, fortune teller too, um, because everybody's looking at Indiana on their schedule, going, "Hey, they went two and ten. Rutgers came in here last year and beat Indiana like thirty-seven to three, so they're thinking, okay, we got them at home this year. We're we're gonna win. And, and Maryland beat them last year. Okay, we're better than last year. We're gonna win. Uh, so you know, Indiana can't look ahead. Um, it, it just doesn't know if they have to take one game at a time. Uh, and, you know, as fans, yeah, fans can, can look ahead a, a little bit. But, you know, Indiana's schedule was so front-loaded last year, and now it's back-loaded this year that you, you had to get off to a 3-0 and start, and they did. And now you go – you have a two-game road swing, Cincinnati and Nebraska, and you think if you're Indiana, if you could split those, you're sitting at 4-1 and one, uh, with the two-game home swing coming with with Maryland, Michigan, and you, and you're hoping you get one of those. It's probably you know Maryland more than than Michigan before heading to Rutgers. If you take you know two out of three of those, you're sitting at, uh, I mean you're you're bowl eligible, uh, yeah. you know bowl eligible right there. Um, and, and then I mean November is just a it's an absolute joke. I hate playing in the Big Ten East. Uh, if I'm an IU fan, it's I, I think. It's uh, you get Penn State at home, and Penn State looks very good. But again, we'll see what Penn State's like in November because they've they've fallen apart in November the last couple of years. Uh, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, and then you get Purdue at home, and anything could happen in a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. So that November is it's like it's not even fun. It's like come on, um, you know, spread them out a little bit. But it, it's. If you could get to bowl eligibility by Rutgers, you're you're in awesome shape. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you're you're sitting there in the bucket game at five wins, you're in pretty good shape too. And you probably outdid a lot of people's expectations. Vegas had the over under. I got it at what four games? Is it four and a half in most places? Uh, you had the Athletic had IU going two and ten again, uh, and zero and nine in the Big Ten. So there. You know, it's one one game at a time. Just take the game in front of you and, and move on. So let's let's talk uh, a little bit more specifically about the team, some like some personnel that we have or that we'll see on Saturday. So you you brought up last year we saw uh, Michael Penix Jr. Uh, this year the uh, Mizzou transfer is Connor Basilak. Am I saying that correctly? It's two so it's Basilak. Basilak. Bazelak. Yep. So what what do uh what is the the transfer bringing uh to the team this year and how does uh, he look so far? I mean, he's looked pretty good. I mean, given the fact that Indiana had absolutely horrid quarterback play last year, um he looks pretty good. Now Michael Pe- look, Michael Panics just lit up Michigan State at Washington last night. Uh and I have nothing but love for and respect for that man. Um cuz he went through a lot and I think that uh, both both parties needed a, a break from each other. You know, he got banged up in Indiana a lot. In Indiana, you just you couldn't. Re- I don't want to say you couldn't rely on it, but to put all your chips in on him on a must-win year uh, was probably a mistake. Um, but I, I'm glad him and Kalen DeBoer reunited up at Washington. But Bazelak gets the ball out quick. Uh, he's a, a big guy. He could run a little bit, but not much. Um, He's not a statue, but he'll go get 10, 12 yards uh, on a boot and, and things like that. He could take a hit as well. Um, he has a strong arm. Uh, he does have a tendency to overthrow the ball, which is scary because that's how interceptions happen. He's only thrown, I think, two this year. Uh, and one of them really should have been a nice big reception, but it went off the receiver's hands. Um, 
against Illinois. But he, he's he's calm under pressure. He's led three second-half comebacks uh, for IU. Uh, two of them really on that last drive where he, he's surgical and precise. Um, you know, I've been really impressed with just his poise. And I, I he's coming from the SEC. And I know Nippert's going to be absolutely bonkers on Saturday. But I don't think it's going to be anything that he hasn't seen before. Um, and that's no disrespect to Cincinnati fans. It's just that it, he's played in the SEC. He's played on the road in the SEC. So um, unless Cincinnati is totally outrageously wild uh, that I don't know about, um, it, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be something that he hasn't experienced. Um, so we'll see how it, how the rest of the team responds. But he's been he's been real solid over the first three games. I mean, Nippert is quite the experience. I was going to ask if anyone from Hoosier Huddles was making the road trip uh, I over am. to Clifton. I will. I will be there. Uh, awesome. You uh, you have what's your pregame plan, sir? Don't have one yet. Um, we we were might go to the Dentail Gate. Uh, we're talking about going to brunch somewhere. Uh, one of our one of our friends who's an alumni, uh, yeah, found a place, but I forgot the name of it. But we we're, you know, it, it's an easy trip. It's an hour, maybe two hours, mm-hmm. um, door to door. So it'd just be fun to explore because I've I've heard Nippert's really, really like a neat place to go. For sure. So I'm actually I uh, I'm a big fan and, and a part of the den uh, as well. So that's where I tailgate. So if you uh, you find your way over there, uh, let's make sure we uh, we hook up and have a beer or two. Uh, the den is a solid place. People from all different age groups and fandoms and uh, the grid. Well, you know, when I was a student at UC, we didn't have any like place to tailgate at all. They were like tailgating in parking garages, and it was not a not a vibe at all, but they've, they've done a very good job with, uh, with the tailgating area at the grid. So, uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully I see you there. Nice. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's talk uh, other than, than, uh, Bayslack, uh, on, when Indiana has the ball, who are some standouts that UC fans need to watch out for who will break open a big play for IU? Uh, I think the guy that, uh, UC fans are most familiar with is DJ Matthews. He had his breakout game against you guys last year. Unfortunately, the next game he blow, blows out an ACL. Uh, and just like the rest of the Indiana season, it just went to hell in a handbasket. Um, but DJ Matthews is one. Uh, A.J. Barner is a tight end who's replacing Peyton Hendershot, uh, who had a big game against you guys too last year. I was with the Cowboys now. Um, Cam Camper, he's a junior college receiver. He's about 6'4". He's probably him and DJ Matthews are the two most targeted players on the team. Uh, and then IU had 12 players catch passes on Saturday, uh, which is pretty impressive, including, you know, two running backs, two tight ends, and, and just, you know, almost a dozen receivers uh, as well. I, the, I think the receiving depth is a lot better than last year. Uh, even losing guys like Fry Fogel and Miles Marshall, I, I just thought they brought in some quality guys. Another um, another name to know is Donovan McCauley. He was the quarterback at the end of last year. Uh, he's 6'5", every bit of 6'5", uh, can run like a deer, and he's just learning how to play the receiver position. But he had a big 48-yard catch and run uh, against uh, Western Kentucky. He had a big two-point conversion. And once he – learns the nuances of that position he's going to be really he's going to be real good very good so let's let's flip it and, and uh when indiana is on d who are some of the standouts that'll that'll make a play for him uh cam jones and aaron casey the two linebackers uh cam jones wears number four aaron casey's number 44 uh so i'm sure there's a, a nickname and an nil deal uh, in there somewhere uh, but they're the two uh, biggest playmakers. Cam Jones had 13 tackles uh, last week. Uh, Aaron Casey had seven, and three of them went for a loss. Uh, Cam Jones is the heart and soul of this defense now uh, that Michael McFadden's gone. He pulled the team together uh, when they were down against Illinois, willed them to a big stop on the goal line. Uh, last, last week it was well. He, he pulled the team. He said, we're not losing today. Um, 
and, and they immediately go get two takeaways and things like that. You still have guys in the secondary like Tywin Mullen um, and Jalen Williams. Uh, Noah Pierre uh, is in there as well. He played a lot last year. Uh, he's the starting Husky. Another guy that Cincinnati fans should know is Desan McCullough. He, his brother committed to Cincinnati, flipped from IU, um, and Dea. But Desan, he's he's a monster in the making. He's too fast for offensive linemen to block, and he's really just too big for running backs and tight end. He's he's they they call it the wolf position. They play him all over the field. Uh, defensive end, outside linebacker, uh, like a rush end. Basically, when they need a sack, he's going to go do that. Uh, he had two sacks against Idaho. He had a sack on the opening drive last week against Western Kentucky. Um, and he he's a guy to keep your eye on. He's number zero, so he stands out. Um, but if Day is anything like the Sun, uh, you guys are getting a heck of a player. All right, very good stuff. So, would you say is is IU this year? Are they a uh, a, a run first team? Are they uh, you know a fifty fifty? What's sort of their offensive philosophy on things? I think they want to be a run first team, but they're not. Um, okay. They have trouble. They have trouble running the ball. Uh, they threw the ball fifty five times on Saturday against Western Ooh. Kentucky, uh, but they want to run the ball first. That that's Walt Bell's identity is run the ball, throw some quick passes and move very quickly and, and just loosen up that defense to where you could take shots downfield. Uh, they've had trouble running the ball. Uh, I think that they ran for only like 30 some odd yards against Illinois, but Illinois was playing eight in the box basically all night. And that and they're a very good defense. Uh, but Sean Shivers broke out uh, against Idaho uh, in a game where they needed it, it was a torrential downpour um, for the first half. They needed to run the ball. And then last week in spurts, they ran the ball well. Uh, Non-sack rushing yards, they had 4.2 yards per carry. Uh, Josh Henderson uh, played very well. Uh, 11 carries, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Um, so it, it's they want to run the ball, but they, in order to win, they might have to throw. Okay, so do you uh... – I mean, the way you kind of talk there, maybe, maybe it's running. But if if you had to point out uh, an Achilles' heel for the for the football team so far this year, you know, what would you point out, or what would uh, what would be something that you know you're not too confident the team is doing right now? Uh, it's red zone offense. I mean, if I had to go position group, it's probably the offensive line, and mm-hmm. that's because Matthew Bedford, uh, who is starting at right guard or right tackle at the beginning of the year, blew out his ACL uh, against, I think it was against Illinois. It, yeah, it was against Illinois in the first game. Uh, and then the starting center last week hurts himself in warm-ups and couldn't go. And we'll get more details that on, on that uh, probably tomorrow. But they were playing a third-string center against against Western Kentucky, who was had bounced between offense and defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um and he's like kind of a young guy, but he played well. Once he settled in, he played well. But that's a concern because it's you're down two starters from the beginning of the year. Your second string guy was in a, in a boot uh, too. So uh, depth along the offensive line is is getting thinner. Not very many teams could go whatever ten, twelve deep um, these days along the offensive line. But it's the red zone offense. IU made seven red zone trips. Uh, last week against Western Kentucky. So, you know, uh, how I like to judge the Reds, that's 49 points. If everything goes well, that's 49 points you have. Uh, IU got 30 of those 49. Uh, they kicked three field goals, scored three touchdowns, and had a um, had a backwards lateral that wasn't really backwards, but was ruled backwards. Uh, Big Ten refs or something else, uh, but uh, it, it was. It's just, especially against a team like Western Kentucky, you can't do that. And we saw what happened against Cincinnati last year when you failed to score points in the red zone uh, and, and things like that. You have to score touchdowns. I, I mean, maybe early in the game you settle for a field goal because you just need points, but 
man, it, it, it's a whole different game when you're putting up seven instead of three. For sure. So, Sammy, I really only have one more question here for you. Certainly appreciate you coming on. Uh, but I ask anytime I do a, a preview episode like this, I always ask the, the guest this question. So if you had to pick one, the offense to go on a last minute game winning drive or the defense to get a game winning stop, which one are you going with and why? Oh, boy. I use head both this year. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm probably in this day and age of college football, probably going to take the offense. Every rule is geared towards the offense and things like that. And I use defense. I have faith in I use defense, but there's just, just throwing it up. There's pass interferences. There's all sorts of stuff that could happen um, and, and things like that. Uh but yeah, Connor Bazelak has taken his team down in the final minute of the game twice already this year and scored touchdowns uh, to either tie the game to send it to overtime or get them a win. And so right now, you know, if I if I would to bet on it, I would say, you know what? I want I want the offense out there. I, I would heck, I would even let them score. It's almost like basketball where, okay, the 15 seconds left, you just foul them, put them on the line. Maybe they hit one or two and you're still, you're still in the, I'd rather have, I'd rather have the ball with 15 seconds left than be playing defense on with 15 seconds left. That's fair enough, man. Uh, hopefully uh, we run into each other the Saturday down at the commons so, uh, at the den. And uh, I look forward to you uh, experiencing Nippert for the first time. Uh, Nippert nip at night is always better than anything else. So we, sort of have a hybrid here i'm sure the lights will come on uh eventually but uh th- what th- is it 3 30 that they officially uh yeah 3 30 yeah 3 30 espn2 i'm super pumped for this trip i i, I hated this series as an iu fan it's like what we're like what are you doing can we just go get a directional school um <laughs> but part of the allure to it was to go down to nippert and play play there and you know, it's it's a semi-local game, I guess. Um, but it, I, I'm excited for the trip down there. Yeah, my dad and I went to Bloomington last year. Uh, enjoy. I wouldn't recommend taking the trip uh, in early September with in a car that uh, doesn't have air conditioning. Uh, but oh, that was like that, the hottest day of the year, too. Oh, it was so so. We had like really great seats. For, you know, first time either of us had been there. We were like right in the middle of a bunch of IU fans who were super cool to us. Uh, but it was so hot. Like there was this older gentleman, like in the row ahead of us and my my dad who's i mean he's like 65 at this point he's like this guy might not make it i'm like oh no i had i had friends who had to like leave um like older friends who had to leave like they were getting heat stroke and all that stuff and iu ran out of water it was just not not great luckily Um, the, the my weather app says it's going to be like a high of 71 Saturday, so it should be beautiful. Perfect. That is perfect. 71 with a breeze. Yeah. That, it'll be, hopefully, if that holds up, and it'll be a good Saturday for some college football. Yep. All right, Sammy, I appreciate you hopping on with us here. Uh, best of luck Saturday. And uh, I certainly, uh, if, if, if people want to uh, check you out uh, on social media or anything, where can they find you? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, you could also check out our uh, website, HoosierHuddle.com. We have uh, a whole bunch of preview stuff coming up um, this week for, for the Cincinnati game. We have all the, the wrap-ups and, and things like that. We also have a YouTube channel under Hoosier Huddle. We've had opposing uh, you know, opposing writers, uh, bloggers, and, and such on our roundtable to discuss it. We have, um, you know, post-game stuff as well. So anything you need to know about Indiana football, come on over to HoosierHuddle.com. I'm just excited. Hopefully it's another another good game. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. You have a good evening here, and I'll see you Saturday. All right. Thanks, Brandon. I want to thank Logan for coming on and giving us his thoughts on the the Miami game and the team as a whole really so far this season. And I definitely want to thank uh, Sammy Jacobs of HoosierHuddle.com for coming on, previewing the Indiana team for us. Really good stuff there from both guys. Hope to see Sammy at at, uh, at the den on Saturday, see what he thinks of, of the whole 
Bearcats football scene in Clifton. I'll leave you with this. On, on October 1st, we are doing another Go Bearcats watch party at the Delhi Liquor Store uh, in the tap room, uh, just like we did for the Arkansas game. Uh, the Arkansas game was a, a blast. We had way more people there than what I thought. Uh, this week, or I'm sorry, not this week, but on October 1st for the Tulsa game, uh, the kickoff is still uh, to be announced, but we'll have uh, beer specials. We had the uh, Black Cats Light Lager from Wiedemann on last time. We'll probably have that one on again since it's a nice Bearcat theme. $2 Truly cans and uh, Dine-In Hawaiian will be there as well. That is uh, the first time that they will be at the liquor store, so definitely excited to have them and excited to watch the Bearcats take on Tulsa October 1st. Other than that, share the podcast with other Bearcats fans, help us grow, and as always, cheers and go Bearcats.